Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Not anymore. Uh, listen, you can sit comfortably. Don't worry, it's not going to be cumbersome or heavy. Who enjoyed our last series, Boundaries, that finished last week? I don't know about, I don't know if enjoyed the right word, but I'll tell you what, I got a lot from it and I'm continuing to take from that series. And we, we sort of move through the gears today into this series, Who is Your Master? Why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, Who's your master? Who is your master? Not to be confused with who is your raster. Of course, Bob Marley, uh, you know, is the choice of many. So we're going to get into it this morning. Matthew 6, verse 19, famous words of Jesus. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know when I see treasures in heaven, I see like, a, I don't know if anyone's watched, um, oh, is it The Hobbit or one of those films where there's the dragon and he's guarding all the gold? That's what I see without the dragon. Uh, the, the treasures in heaven. So do not do it on earth, but treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Amazing verses from what is probably Jesus' primary talk throughout his ministry. Now, we'll come back to that in a minute, but have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to please anybody, everybody? Anybody been in that situation where you're trying to please everybody? And what tends to end up happening is that you please nobody and everyone's frustrated, including yourself. Come on, we all know that feeling, don't we? For me, this is normally when we're trying to order takeaway. <laughs> Have you ever had that problem when like it's a family gathering or you've got some, a few different friends over and you're like, someone wants pizza, someone wants that. I always want Indian. Andy, I'm a man after Andy's own heart. Someone wants Chinese. And it's like, I tell you what, let's do this instead. And we get what no one wanted in the first place. Like, you try and please everybody and no one is pleased. Or you're trying to, have you ever had that thing where maybe like WhatsApp, everyone knows about WhatsApp groups now, hopefully, and you're in a WhatsApp group, you're like, let's do something. We're in a, a bit of a meat eaters group that some of the guys set up, and it's like, right, we've got these few dates, and some people can do one date, some people can do that date, some people can't do either date, so they suggest another date, and you're like, okay, so who am I choosing to offend? <laughs> it's just a lose-lose situation. Do we know what we're talking about? You know, it's just, you just can't. Win. When you try and please multiple people, what tends to happen is that everyone gets frustrated. And this is what Jesus is pointing out here in Matthew 6, that in life, you have to choose who you're going to please. Or maybe another way to put it, you need to choose your master. You say today, Josh, I've not got a master. I am free. Don't you know we're living... In 2022, it's the free world. I'm 
Live in the dream. Well, I'd like to say in the, the, the most humble way I can that we all have a master. It's the one we choose. You might feel like you answer to nobody, but if that's the case, then why do we spend hours on hours working, working for the bonus, wearing ourselves out, burning out? Now, it might be that your job, that you're working and so captivated you that you would do it for free. I don't know. Any hands there anywhere? Your boss is not in the room. Don't worry about it. Maybe that's the case for the small minority but the reality is we're doing it because we're trying to acquire more. We're trying to earn more. And then the question is this, why are we working so hard? Because we know at times that people sacrifice relationships, families, all sorts of things on the altar of their career, whether it's in the pursuit of power or wealth. And why do we do that? Is it to keep up with the expensive car payment or so we can keep up to date with the latest in fashion or so we can have that latest gadget or take the next holiday? Is it so we can keep ahead of the Joneses or look good to those who are around us? Are you working to fulfill your life's potential, to fulfill the God-given dream over your life or are you working to try and buy temporary fulfilment in the next purchase. We all have a master. It's the one we choose. And Jesus points it out really plain here. You can't serve two masters. Now, is this like a, a quit your job message? No, it's not. Please don't go in tomorrow and quit your job. What we'll get to is it's about our relationship with these things, not about the things themselves. If we dig into the original language, Jesus actually uses this word. It's not the word money. It's actually the word mammon. Because when we say money, we think that money has this negative connotation or, or, or money is evil. People say that um, the Bible verse, they misquoted, probably one of the most misquoted Bible verses, is that money is the root of all evil. That is not the Bible verse. It's the love of money is the root of all evil, the love of money. So when Jesus says, choose your master, he's less saying, choose pounds or choose Jesus. What he's saying is, choose who you will serve. Will you serve the spirit of mammon, which represents greed? It represents getting at all costs. It represents getting money over everything else. And if you say, I don't see that in the world, you are deluded. I see that everywhere in our world. People trying to tread, come on, if you've worked in an office for even a month, you've seen this, you know, you've seen this played out. People trying to pull others down so that they can step over them to get to the top. You see it in business with shady business practices. You see it when people literally do whatever they can to get that next step up. This is the reason why a lot of those, and I'm not going to say all, but a lot of those who have acquired amazing wealth sit in these massive houses and drive these amazing cars on their own because it's been sacrificed at the altar of mammon. Was it the Rolling Stones who sang that song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? 
A man who penned those words was what the world would call the pinnacle of success. He had the money, he had the, rela- the relationships. Relationships is probably a nice way of saying it. He had everything. The fame, the power, the fortune. But he writes this song, I can't get no satisfaction. Why is that? Because the spirit of mammon doesn't bring satisfaction. It's the spirit of God that brings satisfaction to our lives. See, money's neutral. It can be used for great things. It can be used for terrible things. As we've seen with the sanctions uh, with Ukraine, where are we trying to hit them? Not with um, power in terms of military power at the moment. It's with money. Because money is being used to fund something really evil. And as we've sent £1,000 today and people all around are doing things to raise money and send money across, people are doing amazing things. Money is used in a great way. So money's not evil, money's not bad, money's not good. It's neutral. But it's the way that we use it. I want to say now that I believe that there are businesses that are going to spring up from this house that are going to create millions of pounds for the kingdom of God to resource this community, to feed the needy, to provide for those who have nothing, to resource God's work on the earth. We need business people who are going to rise up and say, I'm not going to serve the spirit of mammon, I'm going to serve the spirit of God, and I'm going to make a difference in this world in which I live. So we see here that Jesus is less talking about money and more about our relationship with it. This word, like I said, mammon, it's used to describe the spirit that, so, that can so often accompany money. A spirit of greed, a spirit of get to all costs, a spirit of selfishness, a spirit of opulence, where money taints our hearts and it taints our relationship because it becomes so skewed that our heart burns, not for God, but for money. And how do we acquire that money? With our time, with our talent, and with our opportunities. You know the greatest thing that you have on this earth is not money, it's time. The most powerful thing that you have on this earth is time. We are given the same amount of time, aren't we, in a day? 24 hours. I have the same amount of time in this day as the richest and most successful people on this earth. Where do we invest that time? is the question. We could sit here today and you think, Josh, I have graduated from this. The spirit of mammon doesn't affect me. I'm not affected by greed. I'm not affected by money. Get it at all costs. That's not me. I believe that the Bible talks about money and the spirit of mammon so much because of this. It can affect us all. You know, in the Bible, it has about 500 verses about prayer. There's around 500 verses around faith. Does anyone know how many verses there are on the Bible about money? 2,000. Why is that? Because the way we deal with money is so integral to the way we live with faith in God. I don't think there's a more real way of, you know, we can stand here this morning, we can sing songs about faith, we can declare our faith, we can do all of that, but I don't think there's a better way to say, God, I trust you, than taking out my money out of my own pocket and saying, God, I give it to you. There's no more real way. There is no more real way to prove 
your faith. It's where rubber hits the road, isn't it? My, I have been blessed to live in a home where from a very young age, when I got five pound a week, I was bringing 50p into church. Because my mum and dad had taught me about the spirit of tithing. They taught me that God could do more with 90% than I could do with 100%. And that is the, the rule of my life. It's the rule I live by. It's the rule Helen and I have lived by. When we've been in plenty, we've given. When we've been in lack, we've given. The tithe has always come first. Out of Jesus' 36 parables, sorry, 38 parables, 16 included money. So none of us are isolated from the spirit of mammon. You say, Josh, I've got no money, so I can't have this issue. But again, it's nothing to do with what we have. It's more to do with the relationship with what we have. I believe that money is the most emotive subject in our world today. People go to war for more of it. Families fall out over it. People leave churches because of it. Because the spirit of mammon has so grasped the world, and if we're being honest, it's infiltrated the church as well. Come on, we've all felt it. That yearning desire for, for more. That yearning desire for the bigger house, for, for, for the next gadget, for, for the nicer car. What is that? It's the spirit of mammon trying to attract us. See, keeping up the Joneses used to mean that before the internet, it used to mean that you'd just try and keep up with the people on your street. The problem is today that we have the world at our fingertips, don't we? So we look at social media and it looks like everyone's more successful. It looks like everyone's got more money. It looks like everyone's got the big house. Everyone's got the nice car. Everyone's on the fancy holidays. Is it just me or, or do you do that as well? So keeping up with the Joneses today is not just keeping up with the people on our street, it's keeping up with the world that we follow. So we hand over our peace to the spirit of mammon by saying, I'm going to try and keep up with those around me. Why is our world so trapped in anxiety in this moment? I believe one of the reasons is, is because of this. Because we hand our peace to the spirit of mammon by trying to keep up with everybody else. We take on debts we shouldn't take on. We buy cars we shouldn't buy. We buy clothes we, we can't afford. Why? To keep up? To look like we're saving face? To look like we're successful? We hand over our peace when we live outside of right financial boundaries. Is this just me or is it you as well? I know we're going a bit quiet. So we work hard to catch up with all these people we see on our social media, to be successful, to look successful, to look like we've got it all together. While all the time chipping away at our peace and giving ourselves more and more anxiety. Now as the people of God, I believe it's time to demonstrate something different. I believe it's time to demonstrate a new way, a new day, a new way to relate to money, a way to live within good financial boundaries because these boundaries, there is peace, there is freedom, and there's fulfillment. It's time to prove the word of God true in our world. I believe that is the mandate of the church in this moment that we take the word of God and we don't just read it and we just, you know the devil knows the word of God better than you, don't you? 
He knows it far better than you. He knows it far better than me. So knowing the word of God is not the issue. It's the outworking of the word of God that's the issue. I believe God's looking for a group of people who say, God, not only do I believe your word, because the devil believes his word as well, but I take you at your word and I will prove your word. I will prove your word even though I don't like it at times. I'll prove your word even though it's hard. I'll prove your word even though there's sacrifice to me. I will prove your word. Because the biblical principle of sowing and reaping makes no sense, really, does it? What does the Bible say is, as we give, as we are open-handed, more comes back. We live in excess and abundance. It makes no sense. I was challenged by the spirit of mammon in, uh, in our legacy offering earlier in the year. I've already spoken about it, but I'll briefly talk about it again. Because Christian had said, look, pray about... I hate this, I hate this uh, thing. You know, pray about what God wants. No, I just decide myself. <laughs> Anybody? I prayed about it. And God was, was putting something on my heart. And I was like, no, that can't, oh, that can't be you, God. We've all done that. I kept praying about it. The same thing kept coming back. And it hurt. Like, literally, it hurt. What is that? That's the spirit of mammon. That's the love of money. And I kept coming back to God. Coming back. Oh, yeah. And it was like one of those, like, really bad negotiations where... You're going, oh, will you take uh, five pound? No, no, it's, it's 50 quid. Will you take 10 pound? No, no, it's 50 quid. And I kept coming back to God. I kept coming back to God. I kept coming back to God. And he kept telling me the same thing over and over again until we finally obeyed. And we said, God, we release it. God, we trust you. It's the biggest gift we've ever given as a family. Over and above our tithes and offerings. We release it because we will prove your word in the earth. God, I trust you. God, you have blessed me. And what did I do in that moment? I broke the spirit of mammon over my life as I was open-handed. It's time for us to demonstrate something new. It's time to prove that as we honour God with our resources, our time, our money, our talent, that there comes a blessing that can't be rivaled anywhere else in this, this world. I believe that is so true. It's time to show the world that we will use money, that money will not use us. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. Money is using people. Money is using people all over the world. Maybe you feel used by money. I'll tell you, you can break it. It's, not, it's time for us to use money, not for money, to use us. And we're going to use our resources. As for me and my house, we will use our resources for what really matters, and that's people. We'll build up treasures in heaven by investing in his kingdom through giving time, money, and talent to the kingdom of God. We will not be slave to money. We will be followers of God. Like I've just alluded to, I, I want to look very briefly in the last 10 minutes here that how we use our resources to show that God is our master. Matthew 6 verse 28 says this, and why do you worry about clothes? Anyone in the house? Uh, other fellas are like elbowing the wives. No, stay quiet. Keep your head down. That is not a good idea. See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Jesus is being sarcastic here. I, I like this. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Jesus is saying, look, you're trying too hard because those flowers that you see, the daffodils, the roses, all the beautiful flowers of the field, they don't try hard and they look better than you. Jesus is using the most opulent, the most successful man in the history of the world, Solomon, a man who it says that there was so much wealth in the time that he lived because he reigned with wisdom that silver had no value. There was that much excess that silver had no value. It was just piled upon the streets. But Jesus is saying, this man, he was the best of the best. He had the Armani jeans, the Gucci loafers, he had it all. And even he didn't look better than the flowers of the field. He's been sarcastic. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown onto the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, Jesus is not saying all those things are bad. He's saying don't seek them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. That is a word for somebody today. You are worrying about tomorrow. I want to tell you this. Stop worrying about tomorrow. It will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know about you, but as I reflected on this passage, again, it was like cool water to my soul in a world that's telling us that we need to acquire, that we need to get more, that we need to look better, that we need to look after number one. This verse is like cool water to my soul. Jesus here is telling us, he says, look, you don't need to worry about all this stuff. I know that you need it and I will provide it as you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. This is one of the best known verses in the entire Bible. And like the rest of the Christian faith, it is simple, but it isn't easy. The self-help book industry, I'm sure we've all read, well, a lot of us have read these leadership self-help type books. It is a billion dollar industry, especially when it comes to this one subject, success. What is the, 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 what is the secret to success? If you've got Netflix, you'll see there's like a number of programs about it. There's one called The Secret. I've not watched it. Don't watch it as well. I'm sure it's just some crazy stuff. The secrets to success. A billion dollar industry. Well, this morning I'm going to give you the secret to success. What you do with it is up to you. The secret will bring freedom to your life. It will bring blessing. It will bring flourishing to your business dealings. It will bring growth to your character. It will bring satisfaction to your soul. Do you want to know the secret? It's to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now you're deflated now because most of you are like, I already know that. 
It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to live it. We all know it. We all know the Bible verses, but God is saying, I don't want you to just know it. I want you to work it out in the world. I want you to walk it. If we're being honest, a lot of us, we don't do this. We think, I'll build the business, I'll, I'll get the family, I'll acquire the stuff, and I'll add God in. I might show up at church, I might do some prayer, I'll even show up at a prayer meeting every now and then. I'll pick up my Bible when I can fit it in. We take this verse of Jesus and we flip it on its head. We say, we'll seek first our kingdom and then your kingdom will be added, God. And we expect success this way by doing what we want with our time, with our talent, with our opportunity and with our money. We take the new job, we move house, we get the new car, we assign our resources without taking a moment to say, God, are you in this? We seek our kingdom and what we feel right, our righteousness is to us. And then we try and squeeze God in around that. And we wonder why we aren't flourishing like the Bible says we should. We wonder why we aren't experiencing the freedom of the word. We wonder why we don't have the peace that surpasses understanding. We wonder why we aren't seeing the outpouring that we desire through our lives. But Jesus has already outlined the formula to success in his kingdom. Seek me first. Everything else will come later. And I say we on purpose, intentionally, because I'm on a journey just like you are to give more and more to Jesus, to seek him first, not in a few areas, but in all areas. And I'm trying to do this more and more in my life. But if I'm being honest, there are moments where I forget his kingdom in the building of mine. Anybody else? And I have to say sorry to God. I came afresh this morning and said, God, I'm sorry when it's been my kingdom not yours. And I bring myself back again to those words that Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, not my kingdom, not my will, but your kingdom and your will. I don't know about you, but I want to live with the blessing of heaven. I don't want anything added to my life that's not of God. Because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift, it comes from above. It doesn't come from striving for it. It doesn't come from giving all we have to go and get it. Every good and perfect gift, it comes from above. The problem when I build my kingdom first is that I add things to my life that I think are good and I think are perfect and they are in fact bad. Come on, have you ever wanted something so bad? Maybe a relationship, a job, a house, whatever. And it was denied you at the time. And it hurt and you were devastated because it was like, God, don't you understand? God, don't you know how much I need this? God, don't you know how good this is? And then down the line, with hindsight, you've realised that if he would have taken you down that route, it would have led to your ruin. And there are things in my life that I have wanted so bad. And I've not understood why they didn't come to fruition. I've not understood why the door was closed. And I look back now and I say, God, thank you. 
Not thank you for the doors you, you opened, but God, thank you also for the doors you closed. Thank you for the pain you stopped me from going through. Thank you for the hurt you stopped me from going th- through. And there's some people here today and you've continued to knock down those doors that God has closed. And you've gone through tough times and painful times and hurtful times, not because of what God did, but because of what you did. And I want to tell you today, I want to encourage you today that God can use it all for his glory and for your good. Even the hurt, even the mess, even the pain, even the devastation. God can take it all in the way that only he can if you will submit to him and he can use it for his glory and for your good. That's the mystery and the majesty of who our God is. That even when we violate his will, even when we go against his will, even when we work really hard to build our kingdom and forget his kingdom, he can take it. He can take the broken things and he can make them beautiful. So I can hope, I hope now we see that actually we don't want things added to our lives that are not of God. I don't want anything added to my life that's not of him. So I hope I've set the stage for you this morning. But you're probably asking, how do I seek first his kingdom then, Josh? How do we do that? And very quickly, we do it with these three things. You do it with your time, with your talent, and with your resource. Time. First of all, what do we do? We give the first moment of every day to God. Come on. You're not too busy. If you say you're too busy, what you're saying is, God is not my master, something else is. That's blunt and it's plain, but Andy, is it true? It's true. We have to go to him with our questions. We have to bring our decisions before him. We have to ask him to help us understand his ways in this world. With our time, we have to make his house a priority. You know that the Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for the church. Do you think that means it's important to Jesus? So should it be important to us? Yeah. You know the people that you see here, the biggest priority for us at Arena Church is not talent. We've got very talented people. We're blessed with talented people. It's not talent. It's people who have modelled this value, who have put the house of God first. You know, before I ever was anywhere near doing something like this, me and Helen modelled consistency to the house of God because if it matters so much to Jesus that he laid his life down for it it should matter to me the next thing we should do with our time is that we should set our intention each day I think I spoke to you about this a few weeks ago about setting your intention living by your high values because if you don't set your high values at the start of each day you'll just live by whatever comes across your path so each day I set my life around my five, my five high values. Do you want to know, know what they are? Number one is this, I'm going to seek God first. Number two is I want to be a protector and provider and priest for my home and my family. Number three is that I'm going to build God's house. You say, Josh, why is that not number two? Because if I don't build my family, if I don't look after my family, then I can't build God's house. Number four is that I'm going to be a protector and lover of people, of all people. And number five is that I'm going to build a great business. They're my five. 
I align my life each day around those five things. And the last thing on time is this, is that we get planted. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Can I say that I don't, I've not, uh, I know Wes is here somewhere. I can't see him. Wesley and Ann Best, they have modeled this. And this is why they are still fruitful in old age because they have put God's house first. As you put, <clears throat> as you put God's house first, as you get planted in the house of God, there becomes a flourishing that doesn't make sense to the outside world. The next thing, talent. Ask God what he's got in store for you. When was the last time you did it? Because as kids, like we, we <clears throat> encourage our kids to live the dream, don't we? Come on, dream big, kids. And then we, why do we dream so small then? If we're encouraging our kids to do it, why do we dream so small? Come on, ask God what he wants you to do with your talent. Ask God where he's taking you. Say, God, am I fulfilling my potential in my life? Ephesians 3.20 says that now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power at work within us. I want to tell you today that he's got bigger plans for your life than you have. He's got bigger ideas than you have. He's got bigger things than you can even imagine. It's written right there if we will live with his power at work within us. What else do we do with our talent? We serve. I, I, I really don't like it when we've got so many talented people and, and we all think that, yeah, we can use that talent in the world, but when we come into church, we can't use it. No, this should be the most creative place on the planet. This should be the most exciting place on the planet. This should be, the best leaders should be in church. Because we come and we bring our talents and we bring it all. And in Acts 4-ish, 5, 6, someone will tell me. It says this. They brought what they had and they laid it at the apostles' feet. Come on. It's time for the church to be the most revolutionary place in the world. It's time for the church to be the most exciting. It's time for the church to be the most creative. It's time for the church to have the best ideas. We have the advantage. It's his power at work within us. So why can't this be the leader? Why? Come on. It's time for us to take our talents and to bring them and to be planted in his house. We need business people, creatives, musicians, artists, teachers, carers, counsellors, leaders who will bring their gift and lay it at the feet of the church. I believe that we've seen 1% of what God wants to do here. I believe there's to be an outburst of creative expression, an outpouring of wisdom, an outbreak of passion to our world as the people of God use their gifts to build the church. And finally, resource. Money, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the coming days. But just to echo that verse, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's easy for me to spend money on my kids. It's easy for me to spend money on my wife because that's where my heart is. So that's where my treasure will go. And then opportunities. Will you use the opportunities that you have 
to further and advance God's kingdom rather than your own. We use those opportunities when you're out building your business or, 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 or building your career or, or with people where you use those opportunities so that the kingdom of God can be built in our world. This is not a message saying everyone needs to come and work for church. It's the opposite to that. It's that we need to go and be the church in the world. And as we be the church, we build the church at the same time. I don't know if Lucy Gamise is in this morning, but she's, she's been doing an amazing job. She's building a, a wedding dress business. But over the last few weeks, she's raised over a thousand pounds if losing it, by connecting people in her business with this church and saying, hey, we need partners who are going to help us raise money to, to buy food for those who can't afford it for themselves. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And I know there's people all across this place that do that, but I want to encourage you, there is more. There's more.